Hey, listeners. Our very good friends at Triple R are calling for your support from our Box Cutters listeners. Please touch them nicely. Call and subscribe to Triple R's radio phone. Answer the call. You can call 93881027. If you're in Melbourne, check on 03, check on the plus 61 anywhere else in the world. Available at the Triple R site. Get your subscription in by Wednesday the 26th of September. Subscribe. Subscribe now. Answer the call. Previously on Box Cutters. You've been on microphones before. Turn what do you want me to light. do? You tell me what to do. You've got to be close. Got to be close. You have to be this close. close like this? Really? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Close. Unnaturally close. Oh, oh sorry. I broke that. Oh, yeah, don't, do, don't do that. A lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't, can that, I do that's this? Bad. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, you can do that. You can do that. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 315, The Cheese Wears Me. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my... Right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. We have a guest donor in the house. Woot Danny Danger Oz. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> now, it's, I, I, it's like the voice you'll be doing for the whole show, don't yeah, you? Yes, I'll talk like this. <laughs> That's disturbing. It's very odd. <laughs> the, uh, it's like the reverse Kevin Clash. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now, now I've said Danny Danger Oz because I, I learned about you through Twitter. Yes. Uh, we, we, we were uh, Twitter uh, uh, correspondents. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, but, we were. Before we actually met in human person. Uh, we met in a human person. We did. We did. Don't you remember? It was crowded. I remember that. It was an uh, incredible journey. Wet. Okay, that's right. Yes. Is, that's, and you were Donald Pleasance. <laughs> I, was, I was Donald Pleasance. Wouldn't that be an awesome dating concept? Like dating based on, on Incredible Journey? <laughs> they, they, just, they just shrink you. No, fantastic journey. Isn't it, isn't it, one with, isn't it no, incredible no, no. the ones with the dog? No, 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 hang no. Which is the <laughs> we were we were in the we were in the cheap uh, like the cheap rip off the rip off. But wouldn't it be great? They 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 miniaturize you. They inject you into someone. You have to you know save their life, and you know maybe romance happens. <gasps> I would watch that show. I'd be in that show. It'd be great. Danny, welcome to welcome to Box Cutters. Thank you very very much for for being a, a guest donor, thank helping you. us get to uh, to uh, Austin, Texas, and do a live show at South by Southwest. Oh, look, thank you guys because. Well, I love box cutters, which is one of the reasons I donated, but also you guys have put me onto some really good TV. I've just bought season three of The Wire. <sighs> Excellent. Season, oh. three is, season three is great. Have we put you into some really bad TV as well? Because everyone keeps saying, yeah, we've, we've recommended really great stuff. Have we, have we recommended anything that really made you go? No, because generally if you don't like something, then I tend not to go after it. And the, the things that I've tracked down so far, I've liked. Mind you, I tracked down Continuum completely separately from you guys, and I loved it. Well, Brett and I are, I love that. are <laughs> yeah, on the Continuum yeah, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's you Team Brett. Continuum. <laughs> the season's finished. I know. And it was an awesome ending. Yep. You know what else is interesting? Brett. TV? Yeah. TV's heaps interesting. Well, it's going to be now that uh, the Olympics is over. And 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 you know what? I I've kind of forgotten how to watch TV normally. Yep. It's uh, like, well, what 
what is on at 1.50 that I need to stay up for? Oh, I thought you were going to say, so without Channel 9 just randomly changing the channels constantly, you've forgotten how to watch till I thought you guys were so soft on 9 last week. I haven't watched any 9. Oh, it was so irritating. It's- if you tried to watch the Olympics on 9, it was like there was some... Um, Candy adult child with ADD and <laughs> so it was the remote like, and was just like, flicking. Now let's see go. what's happening in this moment of the. Uh, let's see what, oh, let's look at this thing. Oh, look, the Australians doing something here. So no, just pick one. Pick one. So pick my, one. my experience of seeing the the ladies playing basketball and then throwing to the girls yeah, on the velodrome, like back to the constantly. ladies, back to the girls, back to the ladies, back to the girls was and, and again, pretty much And the thing you mentioned and, too, and there were no women. Girls, no women, no women, there were no women. No. It was weird. I thought there'd be some women in the Olympics, but nothing but ladies and girls, yep. as far as the eye could see, and occasionally a female. Oh. Yes, that's when they realise they were being sexist. They go females, the desperate kind of. What's the right word? Puerto Rican? You can't say that. Yeah, no, it was like women. The word's women. It's women, Eddie. Women. And now to the double X water polo. <laughs> uh, so, Danny, I've forgotten how to watch how to watch television. How do you ordinarily watch TV? Um, actually, apart from the Olympics, I watch very little live TV. These days, I tend to... Well, actually, a lot of the TV I've ended up watching, I've watched because I've heard you guys talking about it. So then I've downloaded it and watched it, and if I like it, then I buy it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like it, I stop downloading it. So, And that that's, tends to be my rule of thumb. If, if I'm watching a show and it's any good, well, obviously I'm enjoying it, so I will buy the DVDs. Yeah, but, yep. um, but trying so to watch it on you... air, live on air is just impossible. Will you download the whole thing and then buy it on, on DVD or or will you stop downloading it and wait for it to come out on DVD? It depends. A lot of the stuff that I'm tending to watch is pretty old. So in that respect, it's already out on DVD. So if I get, yeah, I mean, well, with The Wire, I didn't even bother. I, I just went out and bought the first season because yep. I thought, what the hell? Um, but with other shows, I'll download the first, you know, five episodes, ten episodes, to get a really good feel for how it's going to run, and if it's good, then I'll go buy the DVD. Fantastic. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get you uh, more ways to illegally download things, and then one day become an honest citizen. It, <laughs> illegally, da- it just appears on my computer. Oh. Yeah, it just appears, Josh. Yeah, does it? I See, press Danny, a button, and there I can it say is. all this stuff about Danny because he lives off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, uh, we've got a special guest, Brett. Have we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny Oz uh, uh, is. Uh, he, he was involved in a really interesting uh, project uh, about nine or ten years ago mm-hmm. uh, about uh, a, a Doctor Who animated series. So he's coming in to, to talk Ooh, about that. Can't wait to meet him. I know it's, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, we've also got uh, John. You've uh, you've got an I don't buy it uh, about. I've got uh, a Star Wars item. Yeah, it. I think that's all. I think that's all we're going to say. Yeah. I, I don't want. So this this is pretty much all science fiction all the time. Yeah, pretty this, much. This show. Yeah. Uh, we've got one thing. We've got some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Brett, Brett Crapley, Adelaide is all in a flutter. Uh, yes, uh, because the uh, Dean and Rob are back together. Dean, Dean and Rob. You should be able to put it together now. Sh- we've said Adelaide, we've got Dean, we've got Rob. Wondering which, Does it spike when your and curiosity? how. <laughs> Make sure you've got a parent's uh, supervision. 
with the, with the Stanley knife. Uh, or craft knife, I think they used to call it. We kicked off Science Week uh, yesterday, our time, uh, being Sunday. And uh, as part of that, Rob and Dean are back together in Adelaide at, uh, the, at a uh, special Science Week uh, thing. So they've they've come, so hang on they've come together for one live event. They have, but also we're seeing the release of a DVD from Banksia Productions. So yep. the DVD is of the original Curiosity Show, or, or is, it, is it a DVD of this special event that they're doing? No, no, from the original Curiosity Show, twenty things to make and do from the Curiosity Show. So essentially, this whole news item, Brett, was well, an opportunity for you to you get can... an ad in for Banksia Productions. No, if you're in Adelaide, go go down to uh, the Goida Pavilion at the Adelaide Showground. You know, you can get rid of that. With it's just some iodine tablets. <laughs> Do we have any news on uh, what facial hair Rob and Dean are currently rocking? <gasps> yes. See, that's, that's they, the they burning used, question. They used to have a goatee split between the two of them, didn't they? <laughs> one have one and a half, one half, it's like upstairs, downstairs. Dean Hutton's got a moustache. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rob Morrison. Talking dog. Has no facial hair. Oh, I'm Rob. not even sure he's got eyebrows. <laughs> I got two segues from, from Brett's to mine. To the story. Uh, two segues? Yeah, yeah. Here's the polite one. From one form of curiosity to another, uh, which then leads it to Mars. Yeah. The one I prefer, though, is from Adelaide to somewhere else with no atmosphere. <laughs> it's Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and it leads oh. us to <laughs> oh. this intriguing story about their, uh, uh, a Dutch entrepreneurs, Bus Lansdorp and Erno Wielders, have a plan to put people onto Mars, the planet, uh, to live there by the year 2023. Uh, this is it's, this it's is a private. Uh, well, we're going to this. Okay, this is okay. a completely private um, attempt to do space colonization. Uh, it's going to cost six billion dollars. So, how would you make that money if you were Dutch? Oh, oh, reality TV show. Reality TV show. Okay, the plan is they are going to run a reality TV show. It's going to cover for ten years the training of the astronaut. Four of them will be chosen by you to go up and land on Mars first. And then every two years after that, another four join them. It's one way. There is no return trip on this. It is, it is apparently at the moment impossible to get people back from Mars until Mars is itself sustainable. It sounds mad to me. I mean, I don't know exactly how this is going to last for at least the, the 10 to 12 ten. seasons they're going to need to, to get to that point. Also, as pointed out in this article from The Guardian... What happens if interest dies off and the show gets cancelled? Like, is it? Well, thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> the, uh, the the good news though is that uh, Gretel Colleen uh, has a new job. <laughs> She's first on the, on board, is it? <laughs> so we, we 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 say this as we uh, record on the the same day that uh, the new Channel Nine series of Big Brother launches, and uh, I'm I'm actually quite eager to get home and uh, and and watch that. No, they went through the whole just, selection just because my my hand has been so far away from my face all day. <laughs> <laughs> they went through the whole selection to to get the housemates, and they've been teasing with they've got secrets and blah 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 blah. Um, did it only come out on the weekend that the prize is only fifty grand? It's the lowest prize of a Big Brother series anywhere in the world. $50,000. the winner gets. I want to go back to your uh, curiosity segue. Oh, back to, back to Mars. Back to Mars. Yeah. 
Because you were saying uh, before the show that you were watching the news. You were watching reports I was, I was watching, of Curiosity landing. I was watching Late Line. So this is where I don't know, again, if there's a difference between Late Line talking about something and the news talking about something. ABC Late News. ABC, yeah. So it was interesting because they were talking about it was Curiosity had landed. They were doing a sort of package about what was going on. But what was interesting was that amongst all the footage of the NASA technicians jumping up and down and showing off their bright new haircuts, there was footage of of uh, curiosity being dropped by the by the lander uh which clearly couldn't have been filmed and it was in fact the cgi artist representation provided by nasa of what was going to happen now this is just intercut with footage of real people and intercut with the images that have actually come from curiosity from mars and it just struck me as i wasn't sure what the rules were for this kind of thing because the cgi footage is fairly convincing you know, like it looks pretty real these days. It's not like an artist's impression drawing outline. If you were, you know, you could have been It's not fooled. like the dude from the uh, Dire Straits MTV. Exactly, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And, and it's not all, like the uh, opening shots of Babylon 5 either. No, and also the CGI stuff's going to get better and better as it goes along. And if you have file footage, they always put file footage up. If you have a digitally altered image in the newspaper, it often has digitally altered written in the corner, especially mm. like the age. Uh, and I was kind of curious... At what point, like, what are the rules for news when you're putting in what is effectively just, like, half this report was just fake. No, it was, it was drama. It was like they'd cut in bits of Transformers so, 2 to make Wayne Swan look And did they, have, did they have supers up saying... No, um, there was nothing. Right. So, nothing so at all to indicate that it they, was anything there, other than... Are, they, they never did that uh, during the, uh, the, the moon mission where they walked on the moon, but they were actually shooting it in that... Uh, no, you're thinking, you're thinking of Saturn 3, the... Which is, it's not actually... No, it Saturn 3 uh, is the one with, with Farrah Fawcett Majors and the giant robot. Although, weirdly, I was thinking of Saturn 3. You just, you just got the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always thinking of Saturn 3. I know. I want a big haircut <laughs> and a robot. The, uh, the, uh... <laughs> Farrah Fawcett Majors and also Bad Lieutenant. Is he? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow, she played Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So, so here's the thing with, with that. There, there are no hard and fast rules about what you can and can't do. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna channel James Talia now. Yeah, yeah. Because I did email James Talia, but right. he didn't get back to me. Journalists, <laughs> feel free to uh, to write in and uh, and tell me how wrong I am. Yeah. My my belief would be uh, there are no hard and fast rules. However, it is the onus of the uh, of the newsmaker to make it clear what is and isn't actual footage. Because this seriously was just cutting drama into the news. Yeah. That's really what which that is, was. Which is what they do with television news. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that, that is, that, that's what they do. They need pictures to, to show. But uh, if there could be confusion from the viewer, yeah. thinking that this was actual footage rather than, uh, rather than manufactured footage, uh, there should be a super up on the screen saying that. Purely for disambiguation reasons. What they should have done was just filmed a lot of fat people from the neck down. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what they do late line. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the stand my footage, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's out of focus kids playing in the playground. Out of tram going past. Uh, lastly, in the news, uh, while we're talking about uh, technology and the future, uh, HBO Go, which is the digital arm of uh, the HBO uh, cable channel in the US, uh, so they've got they've got an online service called HBO Go where you can watch all your HBO shows, although there was some controversy around Game of Thrones, online. The, uh, I think the controversy around Game of Thrones, John said it wasn't very good. The, oh! Um, oh! The, uh, so the, they were pitched 
several shows to actually produce as TV shows. And HBO have said, no, we're going to change these from being TV shows to being online-only shows available only on HBO Go. So uh, one of the uh, one of the shows is the new Zach Galifianakis show. I, I believe it's a uh, his his talk show between uh, two Rose ferns. Band, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, was uh, was an online only show mm-hmm. pitched to, to HBO. It was it, it was announced as HBO picking it up and turning it into a proper TV show. Uh, now I believe that it is uh, going to be turned into an online only. Are show. you saying this is controversial? Which are you Well. I'm saying that they are... Because isn't the, HBO just being honest about what the future is? The, the line of what is and isn't television is blurring constantly. That, That's what I mean. I, I, mean uh, I saw actually there was a... Kim Dalton was in the City Morning Herald this week saying that, that, that... Slightly defensively, I thought, saying that 75% of people still watch free to air television. Which made me think, well, that's 25% of people who don't, which is a fairly big yeah. chunk. And presumably getting bigger. I mean, I certainly don't watch any free to air television. And no one I know. Except for everybody dance. Except now. for everybody dance now and uh, and late line, and uh, and that's something. But it's that thing we, when we talked about last year on the uh, how we watch thing. Where everyone said basically, when you watch stuff you really want to watch, you don't watch it on free to wear. Free to wear is only for the disposal stuff, and you can't be bothered watching something. Yes, yeah, you know, it's it's background rather than than foreground viewing. Uh, but I was to say that to me, that's that's you know, like a, a friend of mine saying he doesn't know to do the ABC because they're all on iView. As far as he's concerned, they're under comedy, drama, or you know, documentary on iView. That's how they exist. He doesn't know what channel they come from. Yeah. They're all the same. And so to me, HBO Go, surely that's the same, isn't it? Or it will be, maybe not now, but surely it will be the same. Well, and I think that's, that, that is the, you know, th- this is the natural progression from TiVo, which is now not as popular as it, as it once was uh, in the US. It was never popular here because Channel 7 screwed that pooch. But... Uh, the, the natural progression from you're already giving people the opportunity to easily watch a show at any time as long as it has been made and broadcast it at some stage. Uh, and they can save it forever and watch it whenever they want. You're already giving people that convenience of being able to watch what they want when they want. Uh, the the free-to-air television is just going to is going to lose out on that. People are going to people are going to get used to it. And I find it really interesting that new production is going into HBO Go because they need to compete with Netflix and and other online only distributors of uh, of what would ordinarily be considered TV content. Uh, a few years ago, though, when I was in the states interviewing people who who made online only content, asking them if they thought what they made was TV, they they would say no. We make short films for the internet. Mm-hmm. But, John, your show, Outland, uh, was on in Sweden on the internet. It, it was in Sweden, which we, we discovered through Google. Uh, and then also because all these Swedish people were showing up on the Facebook page. Hmm. Uh, you no, know, it was interesting because Sweden, we were on SVT, which is the Swedish equivalent of the ABC. And we were trying to work out kind of exactly what it was because we didn't quite know what was going on. There was a time, we were on at four o'clock in the afternoon, which seemed with all well, those Swedes really are laid back. Uh, but it turns out we were on SVT Humor, which is, so SVT has a bunch of on-air channels. It also has, I think, a selection of digital internet channels. Right. This is what I've grasped from this. But they consider those to be as valid a channel. Whether it's, whether it's one eye view or, or multiple, I'm not sure. But, but it's still considered to be a channel. And shows actually get a time. So we were on, 
we were being released daily to tie in with uh, uh, Stockholm Pride, it turned out. We were being released daily at 4 p.m. So, right. And so they were promoting this whole, at 4 o'clock, another episode of Outland. And so from 4 o'clock, you could watch it online. And see, that, that, is, so, that is so bizarre because that is putting a time limit on... Well, it wasn't. So it's, a, it's not a time limit because you can watch it from any point after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But it it's gets, like that's the release. It's, it's released and it, available. It, it's almost like a, like a movie release date. It's like they're actually giving you this... I think it's a way of making still the excitement of the broadcast while having the freedom of the digital accessibility of it. So, yeah, it's like they would promote it each day. So, at four o'clock, new episode. I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting approach. And presumably also HBO Go will be doing something similar with their Well, yes, I, I think they, they need to find a, a unique way to compete with Netflix who are releasing uh, all episodes all at once... Uh, rather than yeah, a so, scheduled release. And this still re- has anticipation built into it. Because yes. it's not like all episodes up at once. It's no first episode's up, and then now you can see the next one. Now you can see the next one. And they stay there. But it's just fascinating that they treat it like a cinema release, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, in, in the same way that uh, cinemas, when uh, when they first started as, as commercial enterprises, would, uh, would have serialised shorts. Uh, the Lone Ranger, for example, Batman, all of these were cinema serialised shorts uh, that people would go and see every week. Do you know there was a cinema in uh, Waterloo Station in London, for those of you familiar with Waterloo Station, just near the the entrance with the big stairs. Mm. Uh, there was for many years a cinema that just showed newsreels. It was a 24-hour cinema that just showed the newsreels um, on a loop, kind of half-hour loop over and over again. So if you were waiting for a train, you could go and Buy your ticket and uh, it's like the thirties, the forties. Ch- check out what the news was from two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Sit there watching you know, what that young Mister Hitler's up to, and apparently have lots of gay sex. Right. Yes, that was that was coincidental. I think more <laughs> than actual part of the design, Ben. And that <laughs> is educational. Is the box cutters news? Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny. Gorgeous, sexy, hunky men and or women. This is not really Tailwind Sticks at all. I'm Wob Shearman, pretending to be Tailwind Sticks with another Doctor Who writer, a rather better one than I am. You're listening to Box Cutters, the sexiest station I've ever thought I would ever listen to. I'm quite appalled at how sexy it really is. Do you know how sexy it is? I once wrote Robot. Brett, we have a guest in the studio. Yes, he's coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Great uh, to meet him. He's come in to, uh, to talk to us about a, a special project that, uh, John, you didn't know about this, did you? Well, I did, because I've been, I've been reading it on his website. No, no, but before, before that. Before no, no, I, I had, because I've been reading it on his you'd, website. You'd read it on his website before, before he sent us an email saying, yeah. have you read this yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, because I read his website. Right, you read, yeah. you read his website. Yeah. So why didn't you why didn't you just bring this to our attention earlier? Just didn't think it was that interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so thanks uh, thanks thanks for coming in. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Danny Oz, you uh, have been writing on your blog as uh, as uh, I was going to say insinuated by uh, by John Richards, but no, he actually said it out loud uh, in those very exact words. That you worked in two thousand and three. You worked on a a concept for BBC Wales for an animated Doctor Who TV series. 
Yes. It, it, it's kind of a weird, weird-ass story. So this is, this is the thing, though. This was an official, well, official-ish BBC Doctor Who produced uh, item before Doctor Who came back. It was, yeah, it was BBC Wales Research and Development Department. And they'd been given the brief that what they had to do was they were to try and use this new thing called the internet and use it to try and um, get talent from around the world to work together on a project. So, so Danny, you are, as as we were insinuating just before we started recording, uh, uh, similar to the Unabomber in some ways, and you live off the grid. You listen to this (laughs) podcast while chopping wood. Are you just making this shit up? Well, that's, why, why you? Why did they come to you? Well, they didn't come to me. That was the weird thing. And it was this... It's this weird run of... Well, you know what it's like with television. Everything has to go exactly right, and there's a thousand things that can go wrong. And what had happened was I'd been doing building computer models, and because I'm a sad fanboy geek, I'd built... <laughs> uh, Josh is laughing. No, he just, loves it's, me. It's just because it's an accurate description. It go is. On. It is. <laughs> Um, so, so models I'd, of computer boxes, yeah, computer boxes and uh, and such, but also I still don't understand what we're talking about. You actually, as in models, as Com- in computer like CAD. CG models of things, and one that I'd built that got me noticed was the fact that I had done a fairly accurate model of William Hartnell's TARDIS console, and at the time there wasn't much around like that. And a fellow called Cliff Bowman was running a group called Who3D. And the goal of Who3D was to try and um, basically reconstruct missing episodes of Doctor Who using computer graphics. And that, and so he contacted me and said, your work's really, really good. Yeah, why don't you join Who3D? And I did. Wind forward a couple of years, and I'd been doing a bit of work, and I'd burnt myself out a little bit um, with, some, with a couple of modelling projects, so I hadn't been in contact with um, Cliff for a little while. And a mate of mine gets in contact with me and says, Cliff really, really, really wants to speak with you. And I go, oh, all right. So I send him an email. And he said, I've been contacted by a man at BBC Wales and he wants to use Who3D to try and um, see if he can get an animated Doctor Who series off the ground. Now, is your first response to that, well, bullshit, Cliff? <laughs> mine was, what? <laughs> and he's... Basically, they, because they'd already had the brief about use the internet to get people together and, and use that talent to try and create something, um, Phil Balam, who was the chap at the BBC that we were dealing with, had basically gone, well, there's these Doctor Who fanboys that are already doing this, and I wouldn't mind doing a Doctor Who series. But, but, but when you're approached, Danny, did you... Did you ask for evidence that the BBC was actually doing this? No, because I knew Cliff and I knew that he wouldn't bullshit me. Okay. So The interesting thing too is, at the same time, this is since 2003, we're saying? Uh, I, I first got contacted very late 2002. Okay. And then it, most of the work that we did was in 2003. But one would suspect that the 2005 live-action series was at least bubbling away somewhere and there was also an animated version with richard e grant yeah. as the doctor which must also be in this same well, sort of so this, this is what i was gonna ask. has there ever been a, a, a cartoon series of doctor who one thing that had happened was a, a producer for the bbc called dan friedman had done a um official bbc thing called death comes to time mm-hmm. and he'd approached us 
about doing a post, a special poster for him to help advertise it and stuff as a, as a giveaway at a convention because he was right. going to be talking about it at a convention. And Death Comes to Time was it was almost like a radio play with images because because okay. it was still based on the idea that it had to be watchable on a fifty six k modem yeah. or something like that. So there wasn't. So it was more like the old Marvel. It was like cartoons. A, it was more like a picture book yeah. in in some ways, but it, it had. It had Sylvester McCoy playing the Doctor. It had Sophie Alder as Ace. Um, it had Stephen Fry in it. Um, the Doctor died at the end of it. Like, it actually took the show in a, in a completely different sort of direction. Yeah. That had already happened at this point. There's also the one that Paul Cornell wrote, uh, Scream of the Shalka. But mm. this would have come after yours, but presumably be around the same time. And all sort of and around that, the same Richard, time. And so what's the Richard E. Grant? Animated? Well, in that, Richard E. Grant played the Doctor... In um, Death of the Shalka. In Scrim of the Shalka. Sophie Alcanado, I think, was the companion off the top of my head. Um, I can't remember. Derek yeah. Jacobi played the master who was actually also like a, a, seed, uh, a hologram inside the TARDIS or something. And that was announced as being the official continuation of Doctor Who. Right. With Richard E. Grant as the new Doctor. And then was meant to be a series and then got pulled down because the Russell because C. Davies. But what I find interesting is all these projects are presumably all happening at the same time. And I don't know whether that means the BBC just had no one noticing or whether there was an attempt to kind of put feelers out to see which version was going to win. Or mm. Well, what, one of the things that Phil said to us was that we had to keep it really, really quiet. And his thing was that at any one time, there is half a dozen people in the BBC desperately trying to get a new series of Doctor Who off the ground. And they're all sabotaging each other's projects. So he said, so we're research and development. No one's actually paying us any attention. So let's just see what we can do. And we'd done a couple of test animations for Death Comes to Time, um, which, to be brutally honest, weren't that good. They were the best we could do at the time because we're a bunch of... But we're just a bunch of amateurs working at home on computers. So, yeah, and at the time, we didn't have the sort of tech that we have now. You know, it's 10 years later. Um, And so we had that. And so I'm assuming that the Dan Friedman connection or whatever else is what got us noticed by Phil Balam. And Phil um, contacted us and, and came to us about this stuff. And I'd been doing a lot of the, the, the heavy-duty graphic stuff. And when Cliff approached me about it, he said, you know, whether we'd get to actually... Um, we, we probably wouldn't get to animate it at all. We'd probably get to do some basic animation sort of stuff and that'd be get handed on. But... F- but Cliff was hoping that maybe we would actually get to do the animation. But I just had the experience of trying to get a fairly simple project going with a group of the guys who kept getting distracted and going off in 15 different directions, and so the project hadn't happened. And that was one of the things that had burnt me out. And so what I immediately looked at was, no, we don't... Our animation's never going to be up to scratch. We're never going to be able to do this. What we need to do is sell them on the fact that we know the show and we can tell a story. And so I said, if we're going to have any hope of being involved in this at all, I'm probably the best storyteller we've got in the group. Let me take on the story stuff. So this is the weird bit for me because it goes from being, you've been contacted as a, as a tech in some ways for yeah. your, 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 your tech ability to then almost taking on this sort of showrunner position because there's on, on your blog and uh, there's a, a Bible and there's a lot of sort of concept art. Yeah, and there's a lot more concept art to come. If I can get in contact with a couple of people like Nathan Skreslet and, and people like that who, who put in concept art to some of the story ideas that I floated, um, then I'll get 
more stuff up. I mean, this trip down to Melbourne has kind of stopped me from posting stuff up for a little bit now. But yeah, go and blame what, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's our fault. Yeah, oh, way yeah. to ruin it everything, is, Brett. It is. It is. It's, you know, Sorry. It was, I just had to come down here and see you in that thong, John. Uh, this is the thong I always wear when doing. It. No one else has ever mentioned it. Yeah. Didn't realize it was a problem for anyone else. It's it, hidden on the video podcast. So. <laughs> there is no video it's podcast. The camera's up there. Oh, the camera's up there. Yeah, you can only see them from the shoulders up. Danny, they're just spe- they're just speakers. There's... Anyway, uh, the. So, so, so you've been contacted to do this show. You start writing it. You start. You, you've written uh, some some spec scripts. You've written uh, a bible. I didn't get when, to it. To a, well, I didn't do a spec script. I basically did story outlines. Okay. I did. Um, I did a treatment for a first full four episode story called Walsing to Elysium, and I just started on an Ice Warrior story when uh, when you know nearly a year later the word came down that no, we're dead. Um, and what, I mean, what killed the project, interestingly enough, and going back through the emails again now as I am, as I'm starting to put this stuff up online, and I'm finding stuff that I'd completely forgotten about, was I'd obviously gotten word through a mate of mine that the new series was coming, but that sort of stuff had been floated so many times before. Mm-hmm. I went, well, is it or isn't, isn't it? But then the word came down that, yes, the, ser- the new series with Russell Davies was coming, but it was still a good three weeks before we were actually shut down. And we, and we weren't shut down directly. What happened was BBC London had overspent outrageously on its budget. I can't remember if this was around the time of El Dorado or one of those shows, one of those big drama shows that they'd done that had just tanked horribly. So because BBC London had overspent on its budget, it was basically absorbing chunks of budget from BBC Wales and and BBC Scotland and and all the the outlying stations. And so BBC Wales Research and Development Department was actually being shut down. And that's what killed us off. So what was your actual approach then? What what were you going to do with the series? How was it different to say what's on now or or what was on? What was it like? It wasn't going to be that different. I'd looked at it from the point of view of... um, I, I was taking a very traditional approach to the point where when the first episode of the Russell Davies series came out, I went, wow, was I on the wrong tangent. Um, I was looking at doing you know, multi-episode stories and things like that because even building sets is expensive and that was one of the reasons why Doctor Who worked the way it did and why it sometimes looked as cheap as it did. And I went, well, even building CG sets and building CG people is going to take time and money. So the more we minimise that, the better. And... I'd been talking with Ian Mond about this sort of stuff for years and and saying that if you're going to restart the series, there's things that you'd need to do. And I'd been discussing it with Mondy for years, so saying things like you do a Dalek story um, and you do a Dalek story around one or two Daleks. You need to show just how incredibly dangerous the Daleks can be. And it's after that that you do your big story with hundreds of them because you've you've reintroduced just how bad they can be. So that was pretty spot on, though, for the for the new series. Did. That one, and and I had an idea with the Cybermen that you'd have to have you'd kill you'd kill a character and have them turned into a Cyberman and have the Cybermen remember that they were this person, but now they're a Cyberman. But your Doctor was an older. My, our doctor, doctor was an older one. Um, when I get back to Cooma in a week or two, I'm going to put up the um, pictures that we did. I built a CG um, head. Of what of our older doctor? I built a couple of them. The first one really sucked. The second one, I had um, Nick Stathopoulos, who was an artist, an Australian artist, there with me, 
and he's worked for Hanna-Barbera and done a whole bunch of other stuff and he basically helped tweak it and make it look really, really good. And um, But yeah, the basic atro- approach was going to be fairly traditional format-wise, but I, I wanted to play with things. I wanted to play um, our companion, well, the companion that I'd come up with um, with the help of a friend called Richard Freeland was a, a, a 1940s war orphan called Phoebe. I talked about the idea of Phoebe having a story set in 1940s London um, when she knows that the, the Germans are going to come bomb Coventry. And, you know, she's there and she can try and save people and she can try and make a difference. And the idea of, of Phoebe, you know, being a war orphan and the idea that, well, maybe they could go back to another time in London and do something to save her parents or something like that. You know, that was all... Uh, that stuff is just very, very vague. But the idea of her going back to London and knowing that the bombing was coming to Coventry and to try and change that. So so it seems like they didn't even know that you were happening. So, so the so BBC Wales may have been aware because it was their research and development group. Hmm. But the rest of the BBC might not even know this story. No. Well, because it's that weird thing. If Doctor Who fans do know everything about Doctor Who, mm. you know, it's an obsessive knowledge base yeah. that, that our people have. And I, I, our people. Our, our people. special people. The chosen and, ones. And it is so weird because when you kind of announce this thing, it's like this whole... Because uh, there are even books like the... the, the is it the Nth Doctor? The End Doctor? Yeah. yeah, which is a book about the things that didn't get made. There are websites right. dedicated to the scripts that but didn't go ahead. None of it mentions this. No one this. knows this. It's a story that if I was listening to, I'd say it's a bullshit story. And I... I and, and it's actually really hard for me to come out and talk about this stuff because people are going to call me on it. And people are going to say, they're going to say, you're talking crap. And if they want to believe that, they can. I know what happened. And there are, there are dozens of people around who were around at the time who were involved directly or indirectly who know the truth. And as I said, yeah, I don't want any, I don't expect to get fame or money or anything else out of it. I'd like to see Cliff get some recognition. And it'd be nice if Phil Blam got some recognition. But in, in terms of where we were going with it, it was going to be a fairly traditional approach. Although now, the way the new series have gone, I'm not entirely sure we were actually going in the wrong direction. So have, have you had attention since putting it on the blog? Only a little bit. And I'm not... What spurred me on to put it on the blog was partially, I think it's interesting. And, and with the 50th anniversary coming up, it is an interesting little side note. Um, but also, I just cracked the shits over it basically and went you know what cliff bowman was working on this stuff and he had all sorts of health problems the guy was really really crook and he was going he was going to the on the train to be to to wales to meet up with phil he went in there and saw their their motion capture suits which was that that's what they were talking about using to do the stuff i had a couple of um, phone calls between cliff and myself and cliff and phil and i went yeah Cliff ran himself into the ground trying to do this and it's never going to get recognised unless it gets talked about. And that's why, like, the first post I said is I want Cliff to get the recognition he deserves. Mm -hmm. So if people want to read the Bible and look at the concept art, where do they go? Uh, At the moment, it's just go to DalekBoy.com. So Dalek, D-A-L-E-K-B-O-Y.com. How do you spell com? Uh, C-O... M, I okay. think. Thanks so much for, for sharing your story, Danny. I, I think now we're going to seek out... Uh, that's kind of encouraging me to seek out more stories of TV shows that 
would have been wonderful had they been made. Well, it's a it's a hard industry. Look, look I mean, Russell Davies and, and, and now we've got Stephen Moffat doing the show and they're doing stuff and sometimes it works and sometimes it sucks and I don't think that what we were doing was going to be gold. I don't think that we'd necessarily have gotten off the blocks. But we were there for, you know nearly a year or so when we were working away just doing bits and bobs just you know in our free time and yeah i mean doctor who fans we're obsessive geeks and i've not noticed you haven't noticed no. we hide it well yeah it's mm-hmm. the dapper air and the three piece suits but yeah we you still get doctor who fans that go on about and John's thong. And John's thong. Yeah. But it's a lovely thong. Nice uh, but you get people who go about, oh, Ridley Scott was almost production designer on the Daleks, the first Dalek story. He was almost the production designer. Yeah, but he wasn't. And fans obsess on that stuff. And it's like, well, here's something, a group of fans, just like half the fans out there watching the show, we were blessed enough to have just the opportunity to even try and do something. It's like that uh, that, that uh, video for Dancing in the Dark, the the Bruce Springsteen video with where Cox. with Courtney Cox, where uh, where you know she's just a girl at the concert. She never thought she would get the opportunity to dance on stage with Bruce Springsteen, and, and, and she does. And Danny's story is almost identical it to is that. Uncanny. It is it is almost identical. It's only because he's so good looking. I am very pretty. Are you one of those that follows follows the Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. John Richards, you uh, a, a while ago you watched It was the first show of the year, didn't we? Did we promise yeah, to do this? We, we did. <laughs> we did. We promised so many things. We did. I just realized that last week we promised to have all of those YouTube videos up on the That uh, never happened. On, on the <laughs> It's like that never happened, but you know what? I got paid, I so uh, yeah. I quite like the um, the down under ad. Maybe it was just because that was the only one of the the Olympic ads that wasn't driving me completely mental. That one I actually quite liked. Right? See, I, d- I don't like that one. I I am still going to put them up on uh, on last week's episode. So uh, if you're looking for those uh, YouTube ads, ads, you you will find them uh, on uh, boxcutters.net slash episode 314. Keep but checking. that's that's not you yeah, just keep keep just keep refreshing. Just keep hitting F five. No matter what year this is, just keep going keep, back. Keep I'll refreshing. Be there one day. It'll it'll happen. It'll ha- oh no, I forgot to do that thing. I will say twenty years from now. <laughs> but John, you've uh, so so you watched the Star Wars holiday, holiday special. special. This with my excellent friends Bert and Paul, who got upset they didn't mention them last time we talked about this. So Bert and Paul, I went to their house to watch the Star Wars holiday special. To now, whose, whose house? Uh, Bert and Paul's. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. Paul and Bert. And so this this for those we've talked about it before the holiday special. It's 1978 holiday in this in this case means Thanksgiving, and it was the first piece of Star Wars sort of visual thing to watch since Star Wars. So Star Wars had been this huge, you know, explosion of pop culture, kiddiness everywhere. Since episode four? Uh, since, yes, the, the first one, episode which six. is now episode four. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah, there'd been one Star Wars film. Kids were desperate to see something new that was Star Wars. Uh, and, and a Maud crossover. <laughs> yes, it was a big budget. 
thing made for American television for a holiday Thanksgiving special, and for some bizarre reason, they went for a variety special, and it is just, it's borderline unwatchable. It is really, really bad. It's so bad that George Lucas basically, once it aired, declared it was never, ever going to air again. Stormtroopers doing a big dance number? Not quite, but there is a big uh, number that um, B. Arthur does perform in the cantina bar. Um, I don't remember B. Arthur from Star Wars. <laughs> Do you not remember her role in and Star yeah. Wars? No. <laughs> well, watch yeah, this yes. and you can see it. Because uh, Lucas basically removed this from existence, so it only exists in illegal copies made from off-air recordings at the time on very early video, early video v- recorders. Early VHS. VHS. Uh, which also means that they still have the ads in them. And the ads are actually the most enjoyable part of the Star Wars <laughs> holiday. And I'm not kidding. They, they totally are the only reason it's worth watching. Now, we were going to say we were going to do a series about the uh, the ads from Star Wars Holiday Special and the I Don't Buy It. And I was going to play you the ad from the International Ladies Garment Workers Union because mm. Mm. that's just hilarious because it contains both ladies and garment and union in the one but name. What a great chance for the uh, intergalactic ladies garment union. <laughs> <laughs> And also just seeing the word ladies there, because, yeah, it's a whole Eddie McGuire thing. It's not the uh, women's garment workers' <laughs> union. It's not the double X chromosome no, garment no. workers' union. Um, but it turns out it's actually because it's a union for people who make ladies' garments, oh. as opposed to the ladies' garment. The ad itself is also quite funny. Um, and originally we were just going to play this and laugh at it, and then I did some research and found out about the, the ILGWU, and they're actually really interesting. So I'm going to give you quite a bit of history on them in a second. First, though... <laughs> Let's have a look at the actual ad that we're uh, that we're possibly not buying. Gather round, children. There used to be more of us in the International Ladies Garment Workers Union, but a lot of our jobs have disappeared. A lot of the clothes Americans are buying for women and kids are imports. They're being made in foreign places. When the work's done here, we can support our families and pay our taxes and buy the things other Americans make. That's what it means when the label says union. Look for the union label. I saw uh, Billy Bragg at the American Music Hall, Grand American Music Hall in San Francisco, and uh, he had to do so many encores. He actually did that song. Are you, are you lying, or is that a truth? Because he, he did do union you songs. You could go either way. That That's what I'm saying on this. Um, uh, just say, so, so, uh, John, all those cats are now dead. <laughs> Now, so for, for those of you not watching on the video podcast, that, that involves there is, there is, there is. A, a number of women in, in quite, quite uh, and, ad, men. Ad, 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 and men, and in, men, but in quite adamantly late seventies clothing. <laughs> there is there's a, a lot of polyester. There's in a that lot room. of polyester. They all made their own clothes. Uh, they did make their own. They actually did make their own clothes. Um, I particularly like the tartan uh, uh, sort of business suit number that woman's wearing, and also any song which involves the word blouse. I think is quite good. Wikipedia claims that that song was the result of a competition. Uh, amongst the, the the ladies' garment worker yeah, union to um, to write that in the late seventies, that is in fact a complete lie. It's actually the tune for "Look for the Silver Lining," which is a Depression era song. The lyrics were written by Paula Green, who was a real life Peggy Olson working at a Manhattan advertising firm, who oh. also created the Avis slogan "We Try Harder," and for Goya Foods, 
Goya Oboya. I don't think that's probably one of the that's best, why. but it's included everywhere. Uh, again, that's again, why Goya have gone from strength to strength. <laughs> haven't they? Haven't they? Again, for those foods, just a little bit of uh, iodine and uh, that Goya will clean right up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to bring that in just to laugh at it and then read about the, the International Ladies Garment uh, Workers Union um, because it's so mumsy sounding and it's like, you know, the, the chunkiest netware of all the unions. And, <laughs> but I read about them and I just wanted to, to share this. They were, they were one of the largest labor unions in the US. Um, they were the first US union to have a primarily female membership. They were a key player in labor history in America, especially in the 20s and 30s. They were founded after two huge riots in 1909 and 1910 to try and get better conditions, which they basically did. Is this after the fires The in Triangle Shirtwaist Factory is coming up. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory is actually what started this. It was a walkout from the, that particular company in New York. Uh, which the led to the first shirt triangle shirt waste factory. Twenty percent of them walked out. And everyone sort of joined, and it was a it was a, a very big and quite brutal, I think, event. The the whole strike. But the slogan was, "We'd rather starve quick than starve slow." The the workers were saying, and eventually they got better conditions. Then, however, there was a fire at the triangle shirt waste factory. That was in 1911, and that's where famously hundreds of people died because it turned out all the exits had been locked to stop them taking toilet breaks. So basically, it's a, a horribly, it is horribly a horrible thing that still scars New York. It, like, it, it, yeah, it does. So basically, these people, you know, just died for capitalism, effectively, you know, for a few pennies to be saved. A uh, hundred thousand people came to the funeral march for the victims of the, the Triangle Shirt Waste Company. That was also one of the things where the the union became huge. Uh, there was another strike later on, which was broken up by hired gangsters who were basically being hired to effectively beat up the women involved in the protest. Gangbusters, actual, actual, yeah, yeah, actual gangbusters. That's been this union has this amazing kind of. It's such a muscular kind of history. I wanted to mention at the height of the union, they established a resort for union workers, a university offered courses in union leadership skills, citizenship, and the English language. They had a health clinic. They sponsored sports teams and musical groups. They housed. Uh, they developed housing for their members, and for a short time, they owned radio stations in New York City, Los Angeles, and Chattanooga. So they, they had quite a lot of power. I got quite emotional watching that ad. I thought. I, I thought that. Uh, I, I didn't think it was fu- like. I could see why it would be funny. I could see that it was, uh, in in a modern day environment, it is, uh, it is a strange thing to see. But these are people who are very passionate about what they do and also about keeping jobs local. The interesting thing in that Star Wars holiday special is how many of the ads are about industrial relations and unions and manufacturing. It's a, it's clearly a very very important thing happening in in America in 1978. Uh, there are ads sort of demanding we keep jobs in America. There's a, a Whirlpool ad. I'll bring this in another point, which is just angry at you for no reason I can quite tell. But we think it's to do with jobs going offshore. <laughs> or Whirlpool was just angry. But it is funny how much of it, this was such a big issue. And, and this ad, you're going, well, what? You know, this ad's basically begging you to buy locally produced merchandise. You know, these people are saying we work hard and we, we, we you know, pay our way and we you know, help us keep our jobs. Because that's what happened to the union at the end. The jobs went elsewhere, they went offshore. This thing, 1978, there were passions about unions in in America at the time. It's very hard to uh, uh, think about that now, because now America is, is so 
self-starter. And so anti-union in, in, yeah. in many, many ways. Also, I'm going to play you also a new piece now uh, connected to that. The fact that this was obviously a mainstream thing at the time. Like I was saying, these ads in the Star Wars Holiday Special, this, this theme turns up a few times. But also... From actually a year before the holiday special, but clearly the ad was around at this point, I've got a parody from the time. This is from Saturday Night Live, from uh, from season two, the Eric Idle guest episode. Oh, I hope it's the basimatic. Every time you buy pot from Mexico or Colombia, you're putting an American out of work. <laughs> we of the American Dope Growers Union support ourselves by growing marijuana in American soil. We've had a pretty hard time on our own. But with the union, we can live decent lives and stay off welfare. That's my union, and that's what our union label stands for. So look for the union label where you are by Take that, Studio 60. And just while I'm on parodies, I should also, of course, uh, mention South Park because uh, they have shown their love to the Star Wars Holiday Special. In particular... There's one bit of footage in the holiday special, which is a, a newsreader, who says... Fighting the Frizzies at 11. And that's it. We don't know... And it's because it's the ad for the report still exists. The report clearly doesn't exist anymore. No one knows what that report is. But that man's... So that was actually the line in... And, and it got used in South Park. They recreated it for the first Mr. Hankey episode oh, yeah. with, with uh, the, you know, Trey Parker or Matt Stone recreating that. Fighting the Frizzies at 11. They also had a go at the union label ad from the first episode of season five called Freak Strike. Decent, hardworking freaks in America are losing their talk show jobs to freaks of a different nature. Sure, everyone in this great country of ours is a freak, but true, physically deformed freaks must be recognized. For it is these real freaks that make you all feel better about yourselves for not being one. So next time you're watching television, make sure it's a show with freak freaks, and not just with people that are freaks because they're stupid trailer trash from the South. That's what we mean when we say look for the true freak label. Look for the true freak label. When you are watching a TV talk show, remember somewhere a union's growing. So I guess what I'm saying is there's an ad from 1978 that's still being parodied on television 30 years after it was seen. So International Ladies Garment Workers Union, I do buy that. Uh, sorry, America, a little glitch there. Anyway... If you were going to watch one thing this week, Danny Danger Oz, what would it be? Well, the Olympics aren't on anymore, so no more rhythmic gymnastics for me. Mm. Um, Just in the privacy of your own home. And of course, I don't tend to watch free-to-air TV, but I had a look around and... On Gem, on... Actually, I don't know what day that is. On Gem at 4.30 to 7.30 is Kelly's Heroes on Saturday, this coming Saturday. What, what, what is that, Danny? Kelly's Heroes is a, is a war movie. Uh, I'll, I'll read it from here. A ragtag group of soldiers fighting in France in World War II are headed by Lieutenant Kelly, who, after capturing a friendly German officer, learns the whereabouts of millions of dollars in gold bars. Taking advantage of a three-day liberty... Kelly and his boys cross enemy lines to retrieve the booty. 
I've loved this film since I was a kid. It's With a, Donald Sutherland in there. Yep. And was oh, it kind of Savalas? It's one of those all star casts, isn't it? Yeah. It's one of those huge. It really is. And it's, it's a war movie I loved because I used to watch war movies with Dad. And this was the first one I ever saw where they weren't fighting for their country or for honour or all this. They went, no, screw it. We're going to fight for the money. So that's, that's essentially the, the story of Three Kings. Three Kings, yeah. I haven't seen Three Kings. Oh, excellent film. Excellent film. But an entire rip off of Kelly's Heroes, apparently. Really disappoints me. John Richards, if you were uh, <laughs> going to watch one thing this uh, week. I'm going to go iView and watch the thing that I did plan to watch the other night, which was the documentary about Roman Polanski, um, but I got distracted and watched Everybody Dance Now instead. Oh, so was that, uh, was that on, uh, on Sunday <laughs> night, on, on Sunday Best? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be repeated, uh, I think, Wednesday or Thursday night. Constantly. Check, check uh, um, Constant Guides. But, but it's on iView, so yes, um, Sunday guide. Best. Roman Polanski. Brett, if you're going to watch one thing, what would it be? Uh, we've got on Channel 9 on Sunday night at 8.30pm, Hellzats, Kerry Packer's War, which uh, fellow box cutter Dave Lawson will be in. They're playing Gorilla Gardeners like really late at night. Are they? Which is that one where, where Dave, Bo- Boxer Dave Lawson yeah, dresses up as a gorilla and just frightens people in their gardens. Oh. I think that was the premise. Is I was flicking channels at the time. <laughs> I thought it was... I thought it was... He wages... Uh, war, war on gardens. On gardens. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, he's, just, he's just a horrible vandal. Uh, I am going to watch on uh, weekdays starting August 16th, uh, Thursday, August 16th, on ABC2. Weekdays at 7.25... Blinking, you miss it because it's over by seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Kane and Disabled, which features uh, uh, Lawrence Mooney and Sam Pang, both of whom were guests on uh, on this show. Is it uh, that footy show? That footy series? No, no. no. Uh, Lawrence Mooney and uh, Sam Pang are playing characters. Uh, Lawrence is a bigoted uh, old sports reporter who uh, is doing a show about Paralympians. Uh, and uh, and Sam is the uh, is is the show's producer. So where is this on? This is on ABC Two. Are you making this up? I am not making it up. This is a real thing. This is a real thing because it sounds quite awesome. It is it is pretty funny. There are some really really funny bits. A great a, a really great cameo by Noni Hazelhurst. Uh, some some hilarious moments. Uh, and uh, it's like I actually I, I laughed out loud. Uh, and they're only they're only five minutes a piece. So if you've got a, a PVR, I suggest sending it to record seven twenty five every night uh, for ten nights uh, while the Paralympics are on. I believe uh, it's uh, it's yeah really interesting. Talk is on the table. Just quickly because uh, uh, this is this has gone on long enough because uh, you've both brought you Danny and you John brought us fascinating stories uh, and uh, Brett you know, you know you did good stuff. Thanks. Sure. This episode's been very very geeky. With then some also union history, <laughs> which is a different form of geeky, but it's just, you know. It's, it's, been, it's been very important. Uh, John, you and I are doing a live show at Acme. Yes, we are. Uh, about TV going wrong. Is that sold out yet? Uh, you know what? I, ha- I haven't even I haven't checked. checked. Uh, but book tickets, book them now. Yes. In, if I have time, if I have time on the internet, I'm going to put those YouTube videos up. <laughs> I'm not going to check. I'm not going to be. Che- and then you know, it, only then, once all of those are up, will I check whether or not we're we're sold out. But Josh and I are going to talk about TV shows that went wrong in various ways. Either cast members died, they were retooled either well or badly, or various other strange and odd things happened to them. There'll be clips. 
Uh, yeah, like uh, like that time uh, that that time, uh, Will I Am was a hologram, a three D hologram on in, everything, uh, on everything by yeah. mistake. That wasn't yeah. going wrong. It's uh, no, he wandered into things like you know How I Met Your Mother and yeah, there was that uh, when he, he replaced for a very brief period. He replaced Coach after Coach died on Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before Woody started, well, Will I, quite I like Am that was theory. a hologram. Yeah, time traveling hologram. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Becker is in all the episodes of that. No one's yeah. ever seen Becker, so no one knew. He's the blind <laughs> guy in that. He's uh, he's solved. So he would go from show to show solving problems as he went. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was interesting. So, yeah, so we're going to do uh, TV shows when they go wrong or bad. Or uh, mental or whatever or they're called. What, whatever, whatever you want to call it. At Acme on August the 30th, uh, you can buy tickets at the Acme website. And you know what? I should probably put a link up on the uh, on the website. I will do that. I will put a link up on the Box Cutters website and put all of the YouTube videos up from last week. Oh, I should say, too, if you have a show that went wrong in a way that you thought was hilarious or interesting or fascinating, yeah, feel free to send it to us because that's like research we don't have to do. Yeah, that, that'd be great. That sounds and brilliant. And don't just go with MASH when Alan Alder started directing shows because that, that doesn't quite cut it. Doesn't quite cut it. Uh, Brett, you're going to be DJing a party somewhere uh, yep. this weekend? Uh, weekend after, yes. right, right, yep. good, yep. good, good. So look out for um, that. Actually, look- I'm, I'm, I'm playing the saxophone at, uh, at a fiftieth on Sunday. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you played the. Saxophone. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you played saxophone either. What? Surely, you, surely you did. No. no? Uh, you're not actually. You're not playing the I've, saxophone. I've been asked to come out of retirement. You're not playing the saxophone in our, uh, in our opening theme, are you? That would be telling. So no, 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 you're not. Uh, yeah, I didn't think I, I didn't think you uh, you played any any instrument. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I meant that to be meaner. I didn't think you did anything useful, <laughs> Danny Dangerous. Thank you so much for coming onto Box Cutters and uh, and and being a part of uh, of this very special episode. Thank you. I've really enjoyed being here. And and also thank you for your donation. Like really, every single person who donated uh, or doned, as I like to think of it, uh, I just. We were all a little bit blown away by how uh, how giving everybody was. For me, it was a funny thing because I've enjoyed the show for so long and I've gone back and I've listened to some of the old episodes and one day when I have more time, I'll keep going through them. But you guys are just, yeah, you, you're constantly entertaining and I really, really just enjoy it. And I'd been saving up. I wanted to give a decent donation via the website and then all of a sudden this came up and I went, oh, well, here we go. Jose, you could calculate exactly how many kilometres that your donation went to. Yes, yes. And, 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 you know, and, and how far, like it could be, you know, it was from over the Solomon Islands to... To Hawaii, To maybe. Hawaii that it covered. For one of us. Yeah, for one of you. And in fact, if you'd timed it, you could have like cancelled the donation, like when they were in that bet, and they would have just fallen out of the sky. It would have been another lost. It would have been just like lost. Yeah. Yeah. That credit card base. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I am Daniel. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Awesome. Okay, let's, let's kick this puppy in the guts. My name is Danny Oz and I donated to the Box Cutters South by Southwest Fund. This episode of Box Cutters was produced by Josh Canal, John Richards and Brett Cropley who also is the guy who makes it sound good. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant makes your downloads super fast. John Richards edits the show to make it less boring and make me sound better. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. If you enjoyed this show, donate some money to keep it going. It's what I did and how many more ways do you want me to be better than you? 
Just go to boxcutters.net slash donate and make your choice. Or really, just tell three friends about this show and help them enjoy it. I don't care. I have more important things to do. By the way, Josh told me to say that. Uh, so, so much like John, then, you don't like Game of Thrones. Is that... Or do like Game of Thrones, de- depending uh, on the Schrodinger's yeah. opinion I'm having at the time. <laughs> Actually, I like Game of Thrones. I read the first book now, so that was good. And it's, uh, so you're the only person who, uh, who we've had on the show who is uh, who, who's both read the book and seen the first series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book doesn't need some editing because the series does. Oh. I didn't and the book is giant. I've seen people. I've seen people with wheelbarrows on the train <laughs> reading it. Yeah, well, I started the book when I was six months old, but I finished it. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed the book too. The book is a really good read, and I enjoyed the TV series. The, I watched the TV series first, and then I read the book. I've got the second book, and I'll read that at some point. I've, I've watched the second series, but I'm, I'm kind of now reading, reading the books after the series because I don't want spoilers. Oh, oh yeah. that's interesting. It's kind of weird. <laughs> that is weird, but also, but also interesting. It is also interesting. Don't forget, if you subscribe to 3RRR by calling 0393881027 or going online to rrr.org.au during the Radiothon, you could not only win great prizes and help support Triple R and box cutters vicariously, but also be as cool as this guy. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>